0: Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass caught by Kittle. He
2: dives and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is gonna go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That gentleman right over there, that's Chris Beardman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at ninerswire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Chris, we have so much to get to today. We have news, we had press conferences. It was the rare day where like every player who spoke said something noteworthy. Uh yeah. we've got Alex Smith returning. We've got Trent Williams playing against his former team. And we may have a special, we may have a special guest. Who knows? We're just, uh, we're flying by the seat of our pants tonight as we get ready for the 49ers facing the Washington football team. But first, Chris, not a heat wave in the Bay Area, but it's been in like the low 70s. And it's so
1: been, it's been extremely pleasant.
2: It has been. But That's... when you're expecting hoodie season and you're wearing a hoodie because it's cold in the morning, but then you get out of work and it's like pleasant out. You got to beat the heat and shed the hoodie. I just want hoodie season without having to worry about whether I have to take my hoodie off at some point. You want
1: hoodie season uninterrupted.
2: Yes. Right. And I will not stand for this.
1: Yeah. Or like I highly suggest the zip up hoodies for just this very reason. Those in between scenarios where you you don't know if you want to be fully zipped or
2: not. You're definitely a light jacket guy.
1: No, I'm a hoodie guy for sure, but I'm 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 a like like quite a few of my hoodies have the uh, have the zip up. It's important. Yeah, it's
2: an important quality in
1: a hoodie. Absolutely.
2: I at one point last year, here's how important it is. I went to Target with the goal of finding a zip up hoodie. Nice. Like that was did the reason I wanted to Target. I did, and I still wear it today. I love it. It's it's one of my favorite articles of clothing. Anyways, let's start with press conferences, video conferences, Zoom conferences, whatever we're calling them now. We'll start there and we will start with Richard Sherman, who has already said he already told Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports that he was probably not coming back to the 49ers next year. And then today, in his video conference with, with you guys, with the reporters, he said it would take a miracle for him and the 49ers to reach a deal. And because Sherman represents himself as his own agent, he laid out the Niners' financial situation. <laughs> the players they have to pay and how they're probably just not going to be able to afford him. Right. I I, I don't, I I don't even, and I think this is where you were about to go. So I, I want to start here. I care less about, I mean, it's obviously noteworthy that Sherman says he's not coming back. I care less about that and more just about a player. So openly laying it out like that, that never happens.
1: Right. And, and which, what you're referring to is the fact that, well, like Sherman said, well, um, they have thirty million in cap space. They have to bring back Trent, Trent Williams, who's going to cost over twenty million dollars a year, and they have to bring back Fred Warner, who's going to cost over eighteen million dollars a year, and they have forty free agents. And so, you know, he's like, it would take a miracle for me to come back. Um, so I guess I agree with Sherman, but I don't know, like, what what we don't know is what the what the market will be for him, right? Like, is, are there going to be teams? willing to, um, willing to cash him out in a meaningful way, or is his market going to be dry to the point where the 49ers could maybe field a a more competitive offer? I think that's what we don't know. Right. So, um, everybody's going to assume that Richard Sherman isn't coming back. And I think that's certainly fair because, um, I believe what Richard Sherman says in this instance, and, and there hasn't really been any pushback or anything that, that I've heard that, um, that is more optimistic about sherman coming back i guess is a way to say it but um i don't think it's i don't think it's a foregone conclusion but it's probably i mean it's leaning that way right
2: yeah i have a hard time believing that after a player goes yeah i would take a miracle here's all the players they have to pay i just (laughs) have a hard time believing that that's something that winds up working out and i to be fair we've talked about this a little bit at least off the pod i can't remember if we've discussed it on the podcast but um, we, it's it was always a possibility that Sherman was going to be gone regardless. Right. Because, because of all the things we just, we just talked about the Niners don't have any cornerbacks under contract. They have to start getting younger at that position. And if they are going to bring somebody back, it's probably going to be Emmanuel Mosley. And if they are going to overspend on a corner, it's probably going to be somebody like K1 Williams. I just don't think for everything Richard Sherman's done for the 49ers and even playing at a high level last year as a second team all pro like he's a really really good player still i just don't think that's where the niners are going to want to allocate their their very small financial resources right relatively small i should say
1: right and and, and that I was think, always the case and i think sherman's i mean kyle shanahan has pretty much already said it that he expects jimmy garoppolo to be a quarterback next year mm-hmm. um i i think sherman's sort of basically him laying out the scenario by saying they have 30 million in cap and 40 free agents i think sherman thinks they're going to keep garoppolo um which is obviously a huge part in all this right like every every meaningful decision the 49ers make this offseason at some will somehow be affected by the 49ers decision to keep or get rid of jimmy garoppolo right because if you don't have okay. jimmy garoppolo on the books um and you decide to go with a rookie um, then that's, you know, that's $28 million that, that, or maybe, I don't know, 20, 20 million, let's put it at 20, $20 million you have to use at your disposal. And that could be as many as like two starters or like, you know, maybe three low level starters and a couple backups. Like that's, you know, that's, um, that's a big thing. But so Sherman saying he's expecting them to have 30 million in cap space makes me think that, that he has an idea that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to stay, which sort of confirms what Kyle Shanahan already said.
2: And that'd make that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, I just love that. I love that Richard Sherman is smart enough and savvy enough. Like, it's not. It's not. He's the kind of guy to me that doesn't. And and maybe I'm wrong about this, but he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy who suffers fools. Like, he's just going to walk into John Lynch's office and go, "All right, what's the deal?" Like, right. Is and they probably had had that conversation, again. yeah, absolutely. And I credit him for being professional enough to not be throwing a fit on his way out the door. No, I think, I, think so... he, yeah, I, I don't think he ever would. I think
1: he, yeah, I don't think he ever would. I think he's, um, like he's still on the team and he's still very well liked in the locker room and with the organization. It's just this is how things go sometimes, yeah. Um, so yeah, I.
0: I don't, I just I don't love think the fact it's going to be,
1: you know, I don't think there's any acrimony there. I think everything is is going to be cordial and professional. It's just the reality that Sherman's probably not going to be on the team in 2021.
2: Yeah. And I love that, that he's uh, kind of not so much showing how the sausage is made, but just showing like, hey, all the stuff you guys talk about, it's how it works. Yeah. like <laughs> It's just two and two equals four. We can be adults about it and try and get to the playoffs this year.
1: Yeah, and let's be honest, like Sherman's family is still in Seattle and his kids go to school there and, you know, they probably could use a cornerback. Like maybe oh, he man. just goes to They're Seattle good. and and plays, you know, plays out however many years he wants to he wants to play. I wouldn't blame him at all for doing that.
2: Another player who spoke today, Trent Williams playing in his first game against Washington since obviously being traded there in this year's draft. So, this was a press conference I did not see or or read about, but he confirmed that what kind of we already knew, that his contract stipulates basically that he can't be franchise tagged. Right. So the 49ers going into this offseason where he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, they don't have that option to tag him and pay him that, that fully guaranteed salary for one year and kind of kick the extension down the road. It's either extend him or he walks. Um, and then... He also said something. I don't have you lay this out. He he said an interesting an interesting thing to some Washington reporters who were on the call that maybe indicated he's he's leaning towards staying in in San Francisco. Yeah,
1: you you get the feeling by listening. I mean, you you've gotten this feeling, I guess, sort of the whole time, but this just sort of cemented or maybe it firmed the idea um, that maybe his goal is to is to re sign here, and you know, he he likes Kyle Shanahan. Um, obviously and and the offense and and his teammates he you know voted a captain um his first year here. I think that that's that's pretty fitting. but basically, um what he was asked was, you know if if it matters to him that he goes to Washington's ring of fame, that you know the thing where retired numbers are presented in the stadium and and whatnot. this is a guy who went to what seven pro Bowls uh, with Washington, a pretty revered member of that organization and they haven't had too many dudes who have been nearly as good as him i mean he's been their best player the last decade right um like when people think like who's the best player washington had in the 2010s it's going to be trent williams and it's not going to be particularly close um so he was asked by washington reporters who were on the zoom call today like would you want to do that and 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 basically what he said was yeah if you if they'll have me i'll do it um, he basically didn't really have any acrimony to Washington, which I thought was interesting. And it sounds like it was just about all of it was with, um, you know, the front office and, and Bruce Allen and everything like that. But what he did say, which makes me indicate, which makes me think that he wants to, to come back was, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be in the 49ers, you know, ring of fame. And, and that's all I'm, I'm really focused on right now. And, you know, he said earlier that, that the whole goal or that, that the fit is there for him to envision being with the 49ers for a long time. So basically like what you get from Sherman, what you got from Sherman and Williams today was the feeling that Sherman's probably out the door, but the 49ers are doing what they can to make a Trent Williams contract happen, which is obviously a big deal because that solidifies a, a key position for them um and they wouldn't have to obviously use a draft pick they they have their options open and maybe they use that draft pick to find somebody who can replace sherman but you know hearing sherman say it hearing williams talk about it today sort of firms up the idea to me that that it's it's looking likely williams will come back um i I guess unless his market just gets astronomical but
2: you know we'll have to see Maybe he was just throwing like backhanded shade at how easy he thinks it is to get into the Niners Ring of Honor, maybe or Hall of Fame or whatever, whatever exactly it's called. Maybe like they put. Like I'm gonna play one year here and get into that thing. Like (laughs) (laughs) there are a lot of players up there. There are. You ever looked? Uh, Raheem Mostert spoke as well, and I'm gonna. I, we talked a little bit about this, his performance Monday night, how he had three carries out the gate, two carries at the goal line on their second possession, and then uh, I think for the rest of the game. He basically confirmed today that his high ankle sprain is going to bother him the rest of the year. Yep. Yeah. Is this, is this a scenario where it was going to bother him no matter what, so they just brought him back?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he wanted to play um and high ankle sprains a lot of the time you either just sort of tough them out and it's all about pain tolerance and they never really go away unless you have surgery which is in most cases a season-ending injury or uh, procedure i guess um but yeah i think he just wants to play and you know he's a team guy and and he's always wanted to play but i think the problem the 49ers have had in their last five games is they're averaging three yards of carry um, which is, I mean that, I mean, it's no surprise that they're one in four right over those five, um, because of how important the running game is. So now, um, you know, you're not, you're not getting a hundred percent Raheem Mostert, which means, you know, maybe you're, you're sort of, you're getting mid-level production, um, which is going to lead to a lot more Jeff Wilson than maybe we anticipated, which I think was the case on Monday against the bills. And so, you know, it's going to be a lot more difficult for the 49ers to win if they don't have Raheem Mostert at a hundred percent. I think that's, that's the biggest point here is because the running game is so important and Mostert's ability to create space with his speed, whether it's in the running game or play action, when you don't have that, it's just, it's just going to be a whole lot more difficult to win. Um, Especially,
2: especially with how much better Mostert is or how much more effective Mostert is in the system. Than yeah. anyone else, they have. Yeah. Like Jeff Wilson's looked fine, but uh, Jarek McKinnon wasn't doing it, and Austin Walter was a healthy scratch. And Tevin Coleman hasn't Yags. been
1: super good this year.
2: No, so that's that's where the Niners' run game is. And if there's anything that that is going to derail their their chances to kind of win out here, or maybe go three and one and get help and make the playoffs, it's that that moster thing is the biggest hurdle because if he's not going to be 100% he's not going to be that explosive kind of home run hitter that drives their offense it's just really hard to see them consistently gaining yards it just their their passing attack is just too easy to defend I think um Alex Smith playing against the 49ers for only the second time since he was traded in 2013 of course this time it comes with the added storyline of the fact that he nearly died and had his leg amputated and now he's playing football again which is just remarkable
1: it's really crazy i don't know It (laughs) like it might legitimately be the worst injury anybody's i mean anybody i've seen has ever come back from um let alone to like play at a reasonably high level and obviously it's different because he's a quarterback you know he's not running around and making a whole bunch of cuts and stuff like that he's he's you know you don't have to do that nearly as much with your legs as you do at other positions. So that certainly helps. But I, I just think it's, it's one of the most remarkable comeback stories I think I've ever seen, like in any sport. Um, and hearing Alex Smith talk about it. And I tweeted this at the time, it's like this guy, like if, if I'm running a team, I'm going to my head coach and being like, I'm going to throw a lot of money to make Alex Smith the highest paid quarterbacks coach in the league. And I'm just going to do it because I think, he is, he is just having him around your quarterbacks is a really positive thing. Like he, he's just a really positive influence, whether it's his resiliency, his attitude, the fact that he can play quarterback at a high level while having complete self-awareness and knowing that he's not the most athletic guy. He's not the most, you know, he doesn't have the biggest arm. He has to win with decisiveness and efficiency Um, I think that's the perfect guy to have as a coach. And I think ultimately he could, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Alex Smith became a head coach, but like, just think about what, what he did for Patrick Mahomes in that year as a starter. And, you know, we've heard Andy Reid talk about how Alex Smith was, you know, a godsend for Patrick Mahomes and helping him develop. Like it, it worked out pretty well for Patrick Mahomes. Right. So I would take that chance if I'm running a team, whenever Alex Smith ends his career, I'm doing everything I can to have him be my quarterback's coach. Um, And maybe he develops into an offensive coordinator if he wants to go down that route. Maybe he wants to be a head coach someday. Um, I could see it for sure. But um, yeah, I I think it's really cool that he's he's been able to do this. It's still a little scary to me because, you know, like you would hate to see him suffer any sort of leg injury again. Um, But it's just awesome. And it, it sounds like he handled it as good as anybody could handle anything. Um, and clearly it's, it's proven to be working for him. So um, Alex Smith is a good dude. This is a really cool story. Um, a really great comeback story. And, uh, and it's cool to see. It's, it's one of those things in sports that you just, um, that's really sort of unique. I think um, just in life, like there aren't, you know, there aren't a whole lot of instances where you have everything taken away from you at once. And then you're able to just, wool your will yourself back to it. It's pretty incredible um, in the way that Alex Smith did after having his leg nearly amputated.
2: Yeah, he's a. I mean, you've seen the documentary, the E60. You've read the story about how his wife helped along the way and was just instrumental to that process. Um, It's it's. It. I'm trying to say something that's not like a cliche, (laughs) right? But that's the thing about it is like the cliches you
1: would say about it are all true and valid.
2: Yeah, right but i i just did i didn't want it to sound lazy like hey here's all i have to say it's bigger than sports but but that's <laughs> th- but that's what it is like there's a human element to this there's a there's a um there's a like personal angle on this that goes beyond the normal oh wow this guy tore his acl and And now he's back. Like this was just so far beyond the scope of a normal injury that a human suffers. And right. And the. Just the the fact that he just was able to walk again, was incredible. Yeah. And now he's playing football, playing football pretty well, and quarterbacking a team that's trying to win a division. It is a. It's one of those <laughs> it's one of those things like if they win the division, it would be like if you wrote that story, they'd be like, Yeah, no, this didn't there's no chance this happened. Fix right. it and make it more realistic. Yeah, you can't make it up. It's really hard to not root for the guy.
1: Yeah. And he's said uh when he retires he's he's planning on living in the Bay Area. What a guy. He wants to make the Bay Area home because that's where he met his wife and started his family and all that. So Bay Area
2: guy. Love to see it. Uh, another guy from Northern California, Eric Armstead, just real quick. One, uh, is the 49ers nominee for the Walter Payton man of the year award for everything he does in the community. When I was up doing, uh, doing radio in Sacramento, it felt like it was once a month. There was some Eric Armstead foundation event going on to help the youth in Sacramento. Uh, he's involved in the community in the Bay area and that is why he was nominated. So it's really cool to see that for him. And to see him get recognized for everything he does um, in the community, and I think that we focus a lot on the bad stuff that athletes do sometimes. So it's good to see him highlighted for uh, for all the good stuff that he's doing in the community. So shout out to Eric Armstead. Yep, good for him. Let's uh, let's take a quick break and talk a little bit about the uh, Washington football team.
1: 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month according to Comscore total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Hey, football's back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, including taking the Patriots plus five against the Rams. Bad pick by me, but hey, that happens sometimes. From game spreads and totals, I did the game I did the point spread there. It didn't work out as I as I mentioned. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else and like i said i lost on thursday night football but that's fine because i'm gonna i'm gonna have i don't need just point spreads on sundays i'm gonna be able to do player props i'm gonna be able to look at matchups and i will get that money back that i lost tonight and i will do so quickly because of all the different ways to win at bet online you can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day Every single day. Head to bet online right now and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code bluewire at betonline.ag. That's blue wire. It's all one word B L U E W I R E. That's at betonline.ag. Bet online, your online sports book experts. 49ers face Washington on Sunday at State Farm Stadium down there in Glendale. Washington comes in red hot. They've won 3 in a row. They just beat the previously undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. And a game that I think Chris early in the season I think a lot of people looked at and said, "Okay, well that's that's the soft part of their schedule. They have the they have the Saints, the bye week, the Rams, um the the Bills and then they get a they get a soft schedule with with Washington and then Dallas, but Washington has been has been really good lately, and their defensive line is nasty.:
1: Yeah, they're going to be really tough because, like I, like you said, the the defensive line is really good. Um, I think Alex Smith gives them stability and, and sort of an understanding of what kind of game they have to play. Um, and that's probably going to be playing more towards the defense being conservative, but taking those shots when you can. Um, so I, I just think they're a really tough matchup for the 49ers right now because of that defensive line, because the offensive line hasn't been particularly good lately in either the running game or passing game. Um, and so, you know, Chase Young, uh, Duran Payne, all those guys like that's that's going to be a lot for the 49ers to handle. It's going to be one of the best defensive lines they've seen. And like we talked about with Raheem Mostert's ankle, like it's just not a good matchup because you don't have a situation where you can just throw the ball 50 times and and be comfortable with that. Um, right. That said, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Nick Mullins was better and more consistent than he was. Uh, in that Buffalo game, because Kyle Shanahan's going to figure out ways to to maybe get him going and get some easy looks, and then they're probably going to feature Debo Samuel in a way that they didn't do for the first you know most of the first three quarters on Monday. So maybe that gets the 49ers' offense going. But I just think Washington right now, given the confidence they're rolling with, given that the 49ers are um, you know stuck in Arizona living in a hotel. Um, And this is going to be their second week there after probably getting pretty demoralized on Monday, given the fact that that was really their last gasp at at having a realistic shot at the playoffs is winning that game. And the fact that it went the way it did um, has to be exasperating. But maybe they do come out with more fire than, than we expect. But I just think Washington's a hot team and probably a bad matchup for the Niners right now just based on their defensive line.
2: I want to note something about Washington. And just to, two things. One, to piggyback off what you said, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a similar game plan to the one we saw against the Rams the first time in week six. Where, like you mentioned, it's a lot of Debo on the boundary. It's a lot of quick throws, just getting the ball out of Mullen's hands, maybe trying getting him in a little bit of a rhythm. Um, I just, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they follow a similar blueprint because this is a Washington team that doesn't see the 49ers no, every year, twice a year. Uh, but it's worth noting with Washington, while they've won three in a row, they did beat the Steelers on Monday afternoon. But before that, it was a win over Dallas on a short week on Thanksgiving. They beat the Bengals 20-9. to Before that, they lost to the Lions by three, the Giants by three. They beat the Cowboys. They lost to the Giants, Rams, Ravens, Browns, Cardinals. So all the half-decent teams they've played this year, they have, outside of Pittsburgh, they've not beat. So that's where this is one of those times to me where we look at what the 49ers looked like last week and we look at what Washington looked like last week. And it's pretty easy to say, oh, Washington is going to beat the 49ers because they've won three in a row and the Niners are reeling. But... In the NFL, it's not that cut and dry, and as we mention all the time and every show that talks about football mentions all the time, it's a week-to-week league. Yep. And I expect a not only a, a, a more even performance from the Niners' offense, but I think that San Francisco's defense is going to look a lot better because for all the things we just said about Alex Smith, um, he's not half as mobile as, as Josh Allen is at this point. And that's something that I think the Niners defensive line is going to be able to take advantage of.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's two, five and seven teams.
2: Yep. Um, That's
1: it. Yeah. So like, it it wouldn't surprise me at all if the 49ers won, but it's, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they're at a teetering point, right? Like this could either be the game that effectively ends their playoff chances. I mean, that, that sort of happened on Monday, but like officially ends their playoff chances and then, um, you know, do they start, um, you know, playing younger guys over the last few games of the season to figure out who they can, who they can and should bring back next year, or, you know, or do they rally and and come off of the disappointing performance on on Monday to fuel them and and play with a bunch of energy and keep whatever really remote playoff chances they have alive? Like I do believe in in the fight of this team and the culture. Like, I I think that's really strong, but I also think like any reasonable person has a breaking point. And the fact that the 49ers have gone through so many injuries, um, and now are, are staying in Arizona, having, you know, two days notice to uproot everything and, and go live out of a hotel. Like, I do wonder if there's just a point where you just get so emotionally drained that you're like, all right. Like we're we're probably not going to play championship level football today because of everything we've gone through. I think that point is coming. I just don't know whether it's coming Sunday or it's going to come later. And maybe I'm just projecting because maybe that's the way I feel sometimes (laughs) during the (laughs) pandemic. (laughs) Uh, I quit.
2: (laughs) No, (laughs) no, but it's I mean, that's a fair point, because because while athletes are wired differently, like that's just that's how you become a pro athlete. Right. That's how you become a pro athlete and not a guy that that rides the bench his entire senior year <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but there's also a human element to it where you can have all the confidence in the world you can you can believe in yourself and your teammates, but the writing is on the wall, yeah, and they can choose to ignore it, and maybe they they beat Washington and then they beat Dallas. And they get some help, and now all of a sudden they're going into a game against the Cardinals, where the Cardinals have lost a few in a row, and Kyler Murray's not playing well. And now it's now it's now it's okay. The playoffs are right there, and now now the the attitude changes a little bit. But I am I I, I you you nailed it in that it wouldn't be a surprise at all if they just went. Man, we got housed by the Bills, and. I just want to go home and see my family. Yeah. And Debo Samuel, did you see Debo's tweet tonight?
1: I did. I retweeted it.
2: Yeah. So Debo Samuel, I'll get the tweet here in a moment. Oh, he's 19 problems, not Debo. That's why I couldn't find it. So Debo Samuel tweeted tonight, y'all don't understand the effect that COVID has on athletes not being able to be with your family. That hit different because I know I miss my people for sure. And... That's very real, I think. Yeah, totally. And, and like I said, I'm not, you and I don't know. We're not there. We're not in these guys' heads. But if they went out and just kind of approached the rest of the season like that, it would be hard to fault them. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see, we'll see Sunday what, what they kind of, what they, what they look like. And I think that'll set the tone for the rest of the year because if they come out, And if they play well and beat Washington soundly, you know, if they win 27, 13 or 27, 20 or, you know, win and control the game. Yeah. Like I said, I think the narrative changes a lot, but if they go out and, and play as poorly as they did on Monday night, I I have a hard time believing they, no matter how much help they get down the stretch, they end up winning three more.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I agree with you. Um, i I, i'm of the mind that they had i mean they they clearly did but they winning the loss against buffalo really just took the all the wind out of the sails yeah to me and maybe i'll i'll look stupid and they'll come out and play with their hair on fire on sunday but um yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see how the season winds down but in many ways i think i mean Speaking personally, like I've had enough of the Zoom calls. I know probably a lot of the other writers have. I don't want to speak for anybody, but it's not the and, and just I couldn't even imagine trying to, you know, if I'm tired of the season, I couldn't imagine being stuck in a hotel away from family after going through all this. And so maybe like I said, maybe I'm just projecting the way I feel, but it, dude, it would, these guys <laughs> I feel for everybody who's in Arizona right now talking to talking to some non-players that I've spoken with.
2: I understand I'm gonna go off on a side tangent here, okay. I understand that these guys make a lot of money, and they make some of these guys are making more money than I will ever see in my life and like the travel and the workouts and the the injuries and just all of that that comes with the job i I'm with that, but the fact of it, that that these guys are doing this and uprooting themselves and going and being away from their families for a month for the enjoyment and entertainment of the fans. And then people are going to jump on the internet. And when Eric Armstead wins Walter Payton man of the year for the 49ers, uh, go, okay, but can you get a sack and just talk all this shit? It's like, dude, that guy owes you nothing. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? It just, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that's always the case. That's that's a hundred percent always the case. Like, but I get fans get frustrated. That's that's part of the gig is being a fan. But especially in the pandemic and what the Niners are are doing right now and being in Arizona, like Kevin Givens is not playing on Sunday because his wife gave birth to their daughter today, Thursday, and he left to be with her on Wednesday. And now he's not gonna be able to play Sunday, but it's like that's the kind of stuff these these guys are dealing with like these are humans with families right and And, man it just
1: the thing i think it is um that makes it different is the short notice yeah and the fact and the fact that it was super unexpected so like they didn't have months to prepare you know they didn't go into the season thinking all right we'll play you know our first 11 games and like normal and then in december we'll hunker down and, and go to arizona and have that all figured out you know it was like there, there's a reason why there was an opt-out and so many players opted out before the season because they didn't want to have to deal with all this stuff during covid and i bet if the niners knew that they would have to spend their last month of the season in arizona you probably would have had more than the handful of guys that ended up opting out yeah. Um, and I think that's just the reality of it. That this is a weird season. It's going to be really difficult to expect down the stretch as this thing ends for it to look normal. I think you know I could see we've seen it in college basketball and college football already. Like you know, like Mike Shashevsky Krzy- just decided like this is too much of a hassle. We're not going to have any non-conference games anymore. And maybe that's because they lost uh whatever that game to Illinois. But the the point is like I think. The fact that college basketball people are already exasperated i could only imagine what what you know running an nfl team at this point would would be like particularly given all the injury stuff the 49ers have gone through that's a whole other thing like you're not only stressed from a covid perspective but now you're scrambling to find new players and get all these players in your building and all of that amid the pandemic with all the protocol
2: it's brutal yeah so it's just what a been... weird season
1: it's just been a crazy, crazy season. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I'm just, I guess the point, the the larger point is I expect, I expect it to, to show up on the field at some point, right. You know, because like the Niners beating the Rams is obviously like a good thing and coming off of bye and all that. But I, you know, how long can they, can they keep up that energy? If it doesn't come out Sunday, I don't think we'll see it really anymore Um, this season unless you get guys on the field just playing for jobs pretty much
2: but conversely and just to wrap up here we've seen this 49ers team under this coaching staff in 2017 and 2018 have their seasons be over very quickly but continue to play hard down the stretch
1: yeah that's true and i know that that's i
2: know that this season's different they're they're
1: 10 and 6 in december
2: right and i and i i know this season we just as we just talked about is different but it also would not shock me if they went out and like I said, kind of dominated Washington and completely kind of flipped the script going into going into the Dallas game. Yeah. That's what I'm that's that's my main thing I'm looking forward. I'm looking for is like what's the energy like? Yeah. Is it a weird get to the end of the year energy or what? Yep. That's where I'm totally agree. you got a prediction?
1: Uh I'm gonna pick Washington. I just think um For all the reasons I said. Uh, Washington,
2: 2017. Okay. I have the 49ers winning 27-16. A touchdown and three field goals. Seems like an Alex Smith thing. (laughs) (laughs) An opening drive field goal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Stalls out at around the 23.
1: I'm looking forward to watching Alex Smith game in, in this context. I am too, man. It's going to be interesting.
2: I just really, a... like, I, I've always had a weird affinity for Alex Smith, just even even before uh, the way he handled the Kaepernick thing was awesome, uh, but but even before that. And I really thought, and I think a lot of people thought, we just were never going to see him play football again. And so yeah. now to not only see him playing, but playing in a meaningful game against against the 49ers is really cool.
1: Yeah. It sucks it's not at Levi's in front of, like, a big crowd, because that would have been a really cool thing, I think. So. The scene of, like, him coming out and getting a standing ovation from fans and stuff, I think that would have been cool. I think Niners fans respect Alex Smith. To, oh,
2: I think so. I think so. To well.
1: give him a proper send-off like that. Yeah.
2: Nonetheless, but. 2020. So we're going to end the pod.
1: I didn't mean to mean to be such a bummer on the pod.
2: That was super bummer, dude.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I guess. Sometimes, sometimes I, I need mean, to voc- like when, when things are tough, I just vocal, I need to vocalize it. Maybe that's no.
2: And that's, it. that's why we're here. And shout out to anybody who listens to this podcast. Um, we get, uh, most of the feedback about the pod is really good. And, uh, I know I, and I think I speak for Chris as well when I say we appreciate that shit. Like any anything good in 2020 is framed. So uh, we appreciate everybody who listens, and um, if you're not subscribed, rated, rating, and reviewing, like we appreciate YouTube, but just a little nice. less. <laughs> no, I'm Uh You got anything else for us? No, I'm good. All right, enjoy All the time. weekend. See. You.